Welcome to Nerd Here Weekly, the podcast about the week's biggest stories in nerdy news. I'm Riley Trahan, and I'm joined, as always, by Deepak Chitness. <laughs> Fred Neighbor. How's it going? And the American Nightmare, Jackson Trahan. Oh my god. I, I'm so horrified. <laughs> I, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it at all, man. <laughs> Uh, we did uh, we did we did the rumble. Oh, 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 of course. Yeah, yes. We are recording this the day after the Royal Rumble. It was a good one. It was a good year. A lot of exciting stuff. Um Kofi messed up again, but it and we are all worried that he got like seriously injured, but it seems like he's okay. Um Cole won, came in at number 30 and and won. Kind of the favorite, a little boring. Um the women's was pretty exciting though. Logan Paul and that other guy jumped. That was the literally end one of the greatest moments in wrestling history. It was incredible. It was so cool. <laughs> is this Logan the thing Paul that was on Peacock uh, last night? Terrible. Yeah, the Royal Rumble. Jack, do you want to give context to the Rumble and then talk about Logan and his badness? Yeah, uh, the Royal Rumble is a is a wrestling show. It's probably the third or fourth biggest WWE show of the year where 30 wrestlers compete with one another, each one coming in after 90 seconds, and whoever is the last one in the ring wins. It's a, it's a deeply storied uh, show. There's like a lot of no- facts that you can find and statistics that are really interesting. Um, Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, has won three of these. He's the only person to have ever done that. Uh, and it's really fun. It's my recommendation for if you're going to watch a new wrestling show for the first time. And this is a good one because you get sort of a smorgasbord of different wrestlers and personalities and stuff. And the winner goes to like the Super Bowl of wrestling. Correct. Right? They get a chance. They get the opportunity to challenge the world champion at WrestleMania, the biggest show of the year. So it's a big deal. Yeah, and Logan Paul jumped through the air. And yeah, and Logan Paul came back. He's a he's a terrible person, but he's a frustratingly good wrestler. And he did an amazing thing where he jumped through the air from the top rope and midair collided with one of the most acrobatic wrestlers out there. It was insane. Yeah. Well, so we're we got we got we have some stuff of our own to talk about this week, but I don't know if any of it's as cool as that YouTube highlight reel of the Royal Rumble that yeah. you can find online. So. Or go on Peacock. So you can watch it. You can watch the whole thing on Peacock. It's on the Absolutely. Cut, sure. And historical and Royal Rumbles if if you're sold on the first one. <laughs> and speaking of being sold on the first one, so diving deeper in, we do want to remind you that if you head over to NIHF.com, if you like what we're doing here, you can sign up to become a member of our subscriber-only feed where you get the Nerd Out, a weekly podcast where we do a deep dive into stuff we love. Fred, this week we did a board game quiz. We did a board game quiz. I was really proud of that quiz. I made it myself. And I highly recommend everybody to actually go listen to it and try to do it for yourself because it's not as, uh, you know, it's not as easy as it sounds. And it is also like Jack was talking about with the Rumble. It's a good way to get to know kind of different types of board games. Maybe if you're a person who wants to get into board games, but the hobby has felt kind of uh, impenetrable to you in the past. Fred takes us through a bunch of different stuff, and I think it's really good. So yeah, I definitely recommend checking yeah, that. We out. definitely went through some stuff. <laughs> Deepak had a hard time with it, and that's okay. We had fun as a group. I didn't have fun. (laughs) But now we're going to get to the news, and Jack, you're going to start us off following up on a story that we tried to cover while you weren't here once, but you're definitely kind of the font of resource, so why don't you 
start us off by just laying a groundwork here yeah. and then inform us what's happened since maybe we last discussed. A lot's happening, and it's still happening, but it, we seem to have come into a sort of eye of the storm. Um, that might be a bad metaphor, because I think the storm's gone. Anyway, um, so D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, is a tabletop role-playing game, if nobody knows this, and it's produced by a company called Wizards of the Coast, which is an incredible name for a company. Um, <laughs> and they... Uh, one of the cool things that Wizards has been doing historically uh, is publishing all of their work under what they call the OGL, or Open Game License, which essentially allows for third parties to write adventures and rule books that use the D&D system that is technically owned by Wizards of the Coast. Um, so you can't use, like, specific trademarks that they have for specific parts of their stories, but you can use their mechanics to write your own stories, and you can make money on those stories. Uh, so, for example, I couldn't write a story about, um, like... The, the the sword coast, right? Yeah, I was gonna. I was trying to think of like a, a famous title D and D villain, but yeah, 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 yeah. Right, like exactly. I could, that, you can I use do Vecna, Timiot, for example. Yeah, Timiat or Vecna destroying the sword coast. That shit's out. Yeah. but yeah, I can use I can use a D twenty based system, and you can use these like, systems. The you can just sheets. take all the rules and and put it in your own. <laughs> yeah. So that's really cool. It's been. It first came in about two thousand. Um, under 3.5e, uh, we're currently on the fifth edition, so that would be the third edition, don't worry about the half. So, uh, a lot of people, like, I would argue this license is what makes D&D such a big name. Because it is so easy for so many people to get into the story and to find homebrewed rules for if they want to change how D&D works a little bit, they can find other uh, methods. It's a very cool thing that they uh, have done. <laughs> so then, flash forward over 20 years to basically now, at the beginning of January, um, and it was first leaked and then pretty soon after announced that they were, Wizards of the Coast was planning on revising the OGL. Possibly. Yeah, it was the real... It was the real, like, overturning of Roe v. Wade of the tabletop game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There was this leak. Everybody freaked out. It was very quickly confirmed. Mm -hmm. um, so, the... Uh, it's a complicated sorry, issue. Sorry, was that, a, was, that a, was that joke too soon? <laughs> <laughs> I need to cut that. <laughs> you did, I just lost my train of thought. Um, so, yeah, there was a leak that they were going to revise the open game license, and then... Uh, we saw sort of what that would look like in beta. The There were some frustrating things like um, products that use the open game license and earn enough money would have to pay Wizards a royalty fee, uh, which doesn't affect many people, but does affect a lot of, you know, the people we want to support in the community, the other, the third-party companies, basically, instead of the individuals. Um, that said that they would have to report all of your earnings to Wizards as a part of that, which was also just, like, not the coolest thing to have to do. Uh, but definitely yeah. definitely the headline most frustrating thing about it was that they were seeking to essentially invalidate the original 
OGL so that it couldn't be used for any of the 5th edition books or works that have come out so far. Which most people understood wouldn't be a possibility. <laughs> it was granted kind of on good faith, but there was an expectation that this license that had been in place for 20 years wouldn't be just suddenly changed one day. So, uh, boy, howdy, was there a shitstorm about this on the internet. <laughs> I am floored still that so many people cared so strongly about what is essentially a legal document, and I think um, that fact made it difficult for a lot of people who were maybe not as deep into D Dungeons & Dragons to figure out even what was going on, because you hear about this controversy, and then you look it up, and it's like, it's just a PDF with full of legalese. Um, so, yeah, and 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 it it also started to unwind, right? All mm -hmm. these other questions, right? So, for example, like um, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about like if the OGL was actually taken to court, it probably couldn't hold up, right? Like like the same way that Blue Apron lost out on any kind of. Uh, uh, market hold they ever had because you can't copyright food in a box mailing food in a box right yeah like it's probably not legal for wizards of the coast to own polyhedral dice and and adding mm. right like that's basically like so i think i only mean to say i think wizards had a good thing going for a long time <laughs> with this original ogl and they really kind of stepped on just a series of rakes mm -hmm. like it's like that it's like that, Deepak, what's that uh, Simpsons episode where they arrest Krusty and he's got to walk out to the cops and it's just rake after rake after <laughs> oh, rake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what I feel like uh, Wizards has been going through with this OGL thing. They just really ruined it for themselves. It's worth noting Wizards was recently acquired by um, toy Hasbro. conglomerate Hasbro. Yeah, so that could have something to do with what is causing... Uh, these interesting new directions the company seems to be going in. It's, There's also been a mix. Yeah, sorry, Fred. Go ahead because I want to hear from you. On this. I, I, I think you and I are about to ask the same question, actually, because Wizards does Magic the Gathering cards too, mm -hmm. right? Yep, and same company. Wasn't there wasn't there a big hubbub about that too, where they keep releasing new editions and then invalidating all the current cards? Like that's been a thing that they've been accused sure. of before. Magic the Gathering is an interesting case study too because card games have a have interesting design problems about the fact that you always have to be releasing better cards so like cards just generally get better I think part of that part of what they're doing there is trying to manage that uh power creep mm -hmm. but uh it's like how still uh, frustrating if you, if for the you haven't played if you haven't played Destiny in like a month and you sign back in all of a sudden it's like hey we gave you 50 oh, levels God, yeah I'm, I'm other actually trying to avoid that um. <laughs> otherwise it won't be fun for you anymore um the other thing i was gonna say though fred and i was just gonna pull you on this because you know more about this than i do fred jack i know i saw a lot of talk about people like experimenting with other systems right basically being like all right i'm out on the d20 yep. system i'm gonna go play pathfinder i'm gonna go play uh, Dungeon World. I'm gonna go play. I can't think of any of the other ones. Yeah, but. I mean, there's Fate in, in the Fate Core system. There's loads. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. which is one of the nicer things I think to have come out of this whole controversy is I do think it has shown a light on uh, a lot of third party systems and closed up the gap that Dungeons and Dragons had as like a monopoly. Considerably, I think it's also worth noting 
um, another company, and I should know who this is, hold on, uh, released in all of this their own version of the uh, OGL. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Sorry. So, like, like Pathfinder put out an OGL, or like pa- some other party just put out, like, "Hey, Hasbro, this is what you should have done." Pezo, yes, which is um, the people who make Pathfinder. Okay. Uh, really, they also make Starfinder. Released uh, the their own version of the open gaming license, which is called the Open RPG Creative License, or by the acronym ORC, which is. A better acronym. Much better acronym. Um, fine, fine joke. And also they got because probably copyrighted OGL. And they got yes, correct. And they got a tremendous <laughs> amount of um, support. In fact, they got hundreds of smaller companies that work in this space to sign to abide by the ORC. Uh, so that's kind of cool. We got a different OGL. Yeah. If they ever do change the OGL in a way that we don't like, uh, you can switch over to the ORC. Fred, you uh, and then and then I want to go back because Jack, I know there's kind of been a resolution on yeah. this a little bit that we should talk about. But Fred, you you used to play Pathfinder back in the day, right? Am I remembering this correctly? I don't think I played Pathfinder. I think most of the tabletop game I played with you. Um, Pathfinder is a, they, a sort of a system meant am I to... Am of Warhammer? Oh, yeah. yeah. I did that. I'm it's a Nissan. Yeah, different thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did the... Tip of, I did Games Workshop's Warhammer. That was... That's what it was. Also That's a money racket, but a, a different <laughs> one. <laughs> different type, yeah. All right, so yeah, Jack, t- take us out here, because hopefully Nintendo <clears throat> seems to think this whole thing's behind them. Now. Well, I think they lost a shit ton of money um, from subscribers to D&D Beyond who stopped their subscription and also saw the tremendous amount of backlash online. Because, yeah, Wizards released uh, a statement. I think we talked on the Nerd Out about a survey that they were doing to sort of get a better, more statistical handle on everybody's opinions. And shortly after that survey closed, they announced that they would not be revoking the OGL in any way for 5th edition, at least. 6th edition might be different. But they also released uh, the 5th edition rules under Creative Commons, which is a similar sort of legal arrangement to allow people to use what are sort of technically copywritten things. Um, and the good news is Wizards has no legal authority to change the way Creative Commons works. So since it has been published using it, they have no legal way to prevent anyone from it's using the 5th edition system now, which is yeah. reassuring. Deepak, do you, do you have an opinion on the legal side of all this? I know the content of it doesn't really bump up against your world very much, but it does feel kind of tangential to the whole physical media conversation of like, at what like point owning does the stuff get that you tell do? You? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I think once you buy the product, it's yours. Do with it what you want. Uh, whether it's in the spirit of the game or not, as long as you're having fun, you're not hurting anyone else. I don't really see a problem with it. But I understand where the company comes from as far as wanting to protect the integrity of their IP and all that. Um, I mean, you s- so yeah, I kind of tricky, do, but I also kind of don't, because it does, like Riley said, I feel like so much of Wizards' IP was tied up in this thing, and maybe they just didn't realize that until they threatened to take it away and 
lost. Right. Yeah, might have a lot of these places don't have the analytics departments to know what people are playing or what people are really engaging with until they press the wrong button and something happens. So it could be that. I was going to ask also, though, Deepak, do you think all this legal scuttlebutt, and I want to hear, Jack, your opinion on this, too, is from a fan's perspective, but Deepak, as a box office watcher, of course. do you, do you think this impacts the, the turnout for Mr. Chris Pine and his his band of men? No, I thought that turnout was pretty much going to be non-existent, and it will stay non-existent. Oh, you're not, you're not thinking it's going to be a... Is that I, out yet? See, this is, this is the right question to ask. Is it even out yet? It's not out. <laughs> no, Fresh. It won't be coming out till the summer, but you'll hear all about it. I'm sure you're going to see ads for it during the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think this is, I think this is a big push for them. Well, here, this is another conversation to be had altogether, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that like Star Trek had a kind of reputation deserved or otherwise i'm not going to get into that like among the non quote-unquote nerd community where star trek was a lame nerd thing right and they needed chris pine to come out of that so maybe chris pine will do that with dungeons and dragons because anytime you hear dungeons and dragons you go oh it's just a bunch of dudes in their basements like you know with their mom bringing down like sandwiches and soda every few hours and they're just sitting there it's nerdy shit but you know I, I, that's why I don't think the movie can overcome that. I don't know if the movie's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be like a faithful representation of the source material. I just don't sense any kind of public enthusiasm for a Dungeons and Dragons movie, especially when it creates it does it commits the cardinal sin of putting a subtitle on the first chapter of something. You never yeah, do always that. a bad move. Oh my god, always you're a bad dooming move. the franchise. Also, <laughs> also always a bad move. By the way, um, um, making the same movie that just comes out every summer. But this time, this time they put dragons in. Yeah, it's right? it's, like, it's just a reskin. Garbage. Yeah. It's just Deadpool or whatever. Um, and I I am also not overly enthusiastic about the movie. I think Jack agrees that it's not going to make a ton of money, and I want to hear from Jack in a second. The only thing I push back on on the culture impact of it, Deepak, is like it's been in it's been the basic backbone of Stranger Things, one of the most successful shows on streaming right now. Mm-hmm. It is the source for this Vox Machina show that Amazon seems to have pinned a lot of their hopes on. Yeah, and its um, new sequel show that will be running concurrently. <laughs> right. The, the, there's, there, it just seems like there's a lot of, and Jack knows more of it than I do, but like Dungeons <clears throat> & Dragons-based content bubbling around that like I am very curious if like the youths are, are all in for a Chris Pine D&D movie or something. That's like, what I, I was going to say. I, feel I think like it's we're... A... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's a young person's uh, thing. Like, I think as much as I am into it, I think... Jack, you're supposed to be our resident young person. <laughs> well, but that's yeah. my point. Like, I am the youngest one here, and I'm the most into it, and I think that extrapolation continues. <laughs> okay, sure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that a lot of the stuff is... Um we're getting into like the cyclical nature of a lot of things coming back where like the sillier big movies that we used to be into. I'm, I was kind of, this is a separate conversation, but reconciling with why like some of the Indian movies are getting more international appeal now. And I think it's because the sillier things that they've always done have now started to appeal to a larger non-Indian audience. So I think some of these fantasy, some of the stuff that people were not necessarily into because they wrote it off and they thought that that was for someone else a long time ago, the new generation may not necessarily feel that way. So there is a chance for it to kind of catch a second wind and take off. I just don't know that the movie kind of being the linchpin of that, kind of the introduction into the brand new world, 
And then I guess their idea is that people watch the movie go, oh, I want more of this. Well, we've already got these games and we've already got this TV show. And we got this other stuff and we're like the new Star Wars. We're going to welcome you into this multimedia empire that we have set up for you. I don't know that they should have put all the work into that infrastructure ahead of time because I just don't think the movie itself is going to do what they hope it does. I don't know. I Typically with these types of like properties, right? Just like the more diverse the media is, like it's going to Someone will hit. Well, yeah. but sorry, this is actually, this is a distinct, I was going to, I was going to not address this because I thought I was just being pedantic, but this is actually an important distinguishing fact that goes back to our original conversation here. Mm-hmm. So Deepak, this Vox Machina show on Amazon mm. is not in any way affiliated with Dungeons and Dragons or Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, it's not affiliated with Wizards Hasbro. of the Coast. Oh, I thought you were it, saying it's, it, it's a Dungeons but and Dragons here's, show. Okay. Here's what it was. It, I mean, Jack, Jack, you explain what it was and it's, why um, it's relevant to the uh, to the topic at hand. You know better than I do. Yeah, there's a, a a podcast. A popular genre of podcast is people will use these systems to sort of do improvised storytelling. Um, and so there is a very popular D and D podcast called Critical Role, uh, which features voice actors. Uh, who play Dungeons and Dragons, and because they're voice actors, they're very entertaining to listen to do characters. Uh, and it got so insanely popular that they formed a whole company, and they started live-streaming the performances, and it started to get a huge audience, and now they have this Amazon Prime show. So technically it's affiliated with the company of Critical Role, who only exist and had to build their whole brand on D&D, basically, which is a part of why the OGL was such a big deal. Because it's what legally let them do that. Yeah. So they and now they have a TV show around it. But yeah, it's just like. But so I guess what I was trying to get at was the idea that just the spirit of being into tabletop games feels like it's in the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's. I'm glad that we landed on. I'm glad that we landed on why the OGL is important. <laughs> I right? mean, unquestionably, like, Dungeons and Dragons and role playing games are at a like level they have not been at since the 80s if they were even there then like they were still a nerdy thing to do um i think there was a tweet that that it might be a good closer uh of a woman having to like socialize with her nieces and nephews who were young children um at like thanksgiving or something and she was like so what do the cool kids do these days and her niece is like uh have you heard of dungeons and dragons (laughs) (laughs) sorry i don't know if you guys have heard about this beep up new robot news that deepak just texted us (gasps) no are you gonna do it what I love that for you, Fred. Do it. Uh, yeah, as of just now, I just found this out. I had a whole other story plan, but I'm going to do this first. Uh, <laughs> Podcast sabotage. <laughs> a researchers just invented a liquid metal robot that can shapeshift like the Terminator. There's a video in yeah, the so link. Like- There's a video in the link. So, Deepak, talk to us about it while we get caught up. Oh, my God. So, I'm just innocently perusing Google News, as is my want. And there's the usual awful stuff about Ukraine and Republicans. Um, and then I see this thing about researchers invented a Terminator. I was like, that can't be right. Uh, so I expand. I want to see more about it. And it says, oh no, researchers invented the same type of liquid metal that Robert Patrick is as like the T-1000 in Terminator 2. And I was like, that sounds even more terrifying. There's no possible way. 
So then they, there's this video of a metal little like Lego figure inside of a cage. And the figure comes up to the cage and goes, oh, obstruction, can't move past it. So I'll melt myself into a liquid form, seep yep. out and of then- the cage, and reconstruct myself into a Lego figurine made out of metal. At which point well, my bowels evacuate. Be able to melt yourself down into a liquid form, Deepak. If well, not I guess apparently pain. they want to they want to do something with the human body or medicine, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What they want to melt the human body starts. down yeah, into. That's a liquid how it form. all starts. That's how it all starts. Well, I think eventually. So here yeah. we go. Here's the pull quote. Uh, scientists published a paper on the new shape shifting liquid in the journal Matter. In it, they discussed. That's how a good they journal for that. That's a good journal for that. In it, they create how they created the metal, and the rigorous tests they put it through. For the most part, the scientists created the liquid in the form of small robots. The rigorous testing is finding John Connor. Sorry, I couldn't hold it. (laughs) (laughs) Come with me if you want to leave. Do we know if... Is is it affected by magnets? It is a magnet. It is a magnet. Okay. For the most for the most part, the scientists created a liquid in the form of small robots, which they were then able to shift between solid and liquid states to jump, climb, and as noted above, even ooze out of a cage to freedom. The scientists utilize magnetic fields to control the shape and movement of the shape shifting liquid metal robots. The hope is that by using magnets to help move and control the shape shifting of robots, the scientists will be able to utilize the liquid metal in both biomedical and engineering technologies, things like targeted drug delivery and circuitry assembling. <laughs> interesting. Nothing here about time traveling murder. I no, but the way that they say targeted drug delivery, there's also a way to yeah. program <laughs> your target into the magnet and dispatch it out into the free, innocent world. I was going <laughs> right. to say, I don't like the way they're already referring to the shape-shifting of robots generally yeah. as a noun. <laughs> yeah. This oh, thing is like Ditto, the Pokemon, but it's real. It is. It looks here. We'll put the link in the show notes for folks. But yeah, that was something else. It also picks that thing up. What was that? It's also in the yeah. video. After it oozes out of the cage, it like... It goes back for that shape, thing, yeah. It turns itself... Yeah, it relentlessly pursues it, its target is what... I caught from that. Yeah, again, yeah. the thing has it's, a target. That's not good. Yeah, this video is supposed to be showing us in sort of a medical usage. So it looks like in the inside of kind of a general organ-shaped thing. But this little metal cube gets ingested. <laughs> sure, uh, that's fine. I don't know. Um, it's it's a plastic. <laughs> but then it, suck, it sucks up this little piece of green clay and, like, moves it out through the tum-tum. And, uh, you know, again, that could be used to target a teenage boy in the past or uh, you know cancer so i think could also be used to impregnate a woman oh that's interesting give her the you know son of christ or the son of or, god or or it could be used to target our xboxes you ever notice that jesus christ and john connor have the same initials yeah. as james yes. cameron am's J- james cameron yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right fred he's any very final subtle. thoughts on this he's very subtle <laughs> any final thoughts on the robot news I mean, just that it's terrifying that we shall be, you know, deathlessly afraid. Like I said, I am the watcher on the wall. I am. No, no, (laughs) this is getting cut. Good try. (laughs) And uh, that robot's going to be coming for our Xboxes. (laughs) So, uh, you know. Currently, half of our Congress is very upset over some new 
woke box uh, new settings on uh, the Microsoft Xbox. Um, I would say that this is a big deal. It, it, it guys, I'm, I'm kind of annoyed that this is even a story that we have to do. It's only Microsoft, a big deal because it's yeah. technically more than half of our Congress, right? <laughs> it's it's just the latest one of these bullshit things. Like when they get mad that. Ernie and Bert don't have penises or whatever nonsense. <laughs> like, That's what it was. Through through the streets. Yo, guys, so, guys. By, by the way, before we continue, R.I.P. the M and M's. Yeah, I think I think it's a Super Bowl thing. Interesting. Yeah, do you think they're going to get a comeback? Up, a grand, majestic comeback? Yeah, I. I pr- How will they hope, run all of if, those ads they made thirty years ago? I really hope that, uh, and we could talk someday about how the original design for the M&Ms are actually deeply rooted in cool animation history. Um, But yeah, I really hope they just all come out like in drag at the Super Bowl halftime show (laughs) or something. That's what I'm looking for. I just want Jonah Hill to dress up as every M&M. Yep. So uh, we'll write write a script. Basic, long story short, uh, Microsoft is releasing some new changes to the default settings of the Xbox uh, just to kind of reduce emissions and their carbon footprint. Uh, nothing super major. Essentially, the Xbox is going to kind of run its updates during these kind of preset times where you know the energy is more renewable and it's less of a drain on the grid. Uh, Thank goodness, finally, a useful aspect of that thing we all complained about 10 years ago when Xbox said you're always going to need to be able to connect to the internet. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's, it's just kind of whatever. It's it's like a nothing story. Um, it's the one thing that could affect users. Um, the only thing that actually has any real impact on the players at all is that instead of going to sleep, the Xbox will shut down. Right? Yeah. That's So it's not... A huge deal for the newer models, which are going to start up pretty fast anyway. But some of the older ones, it could take, you know, maybe 15, 20 seconds from the time you hit start for the time for everything to boot up, right? Like any computer. Um, Again, not a huge deal, but it does save a butt ton of energy, right? So, like, two of these consoles doing it, I guess, is, like, the same amount as a tree, like, going for 10 years. Like, it's it's a wild number. Um, Now, this has made certain members... Of our elected officials, rather upset that wokeness is coming to the Xbox. Um, hey, hey, free guess which one? <laughs> it's just I'm, insane. Like we wouldn't talk about this update if no one else was. Like that's how small. And that's why we, we should be wouldn't. grateful for their outrage that it's brought us brought it to our attention. So look, guys. I mean, <laughs> I think it's only right that we kind of match their energy on this one. So I'm just glad oh, that yeah. video games were the next front of the culture war. <laughs> and that they came down Democrat, right? Like, that's what it is. So that's video games are exclusively start... Democrat. We've fixed racism sh- in our video games. So yeah, You're right. We like... should start claiming victories. That's what we should start doing. <laughs> we've won Sesame Street. We've won Xbox. We've won... Uh, 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 what was it? Gas stoves? We won that one. Yeah, it's so stupid. I and But you know what? Here's the thing. Can I just... the. This is funny for me to say, but I'm just going to other side it really quickly, but not in the way you expect. <laughs> okay. Not in the way you expect. I'm normally devil's advocate. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised here in this room. You know what is even more carbon emissions than starting your Xbox up? Farting. Starting a PlayStation? I was I was going to say probably moving all those parts Microsoft ship Microsoft. composes in 
in China and shipping them over here, right? Like, let's get some regulations around how businesses actually have to conduct the business they do in the area where they where they sell things, which would then, oh, by the way, make it a lot easier for us to regulate uh, and tax them. But, you know, my one let's question make sure... that they should have asked anyone who said anything about this. Do you or anyone in your family own an Xbox? And if the answer to that question was Xbox. yes, what are you planning to do with the Xbox in your household? Are you going <laughs> to keep it? Are you going to get rid of it? Are you going to sell it? What are you doing with it? And if none of them could answer that question, you tell them to go fuck a cactus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's true. Uh, hey, Ted, you, you nerded here first. Ted Cruz, go fuck a cactus. What is he? Does he play? I he plays video he games, play. right? He, what is, is it Rocket League? I think he, he plays play? The Sims where he's just like fucking the same construct. No, this is a good this is a good question. What's Ted Cruz's favorite video game? I think it's gonna be oh oh Risk oh. Where the Nazis Win. I, I was fuck I was gonna say Wolfenstein. <laughs> but for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Same joke. Um yeah, uh, fine. Okay, hold on. No, I'm 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 finding out what he plays because I wanna know. You're finding the uh, you're doing the digging. I hate the that Ted fact. Cruz talks enough about himself that we can look this up. Uh, he specifically does not play Minecraft. Okay, he pointed that he's, one. He's, he's says, Minecraft he has he, been marked safe from Ted Cruz. Um, <laughs> none of these games that he's listing are on Xbox, as far as I know. Galaga, Space Invaders, and yeah, Sonic. Okay, well, at least they're consistent. Super Mario Bros. Cal- he said Centipede? Yeah. Human Centipede? Yeah. Damn uh, I mean, again, one, can one second assume. late. <laughs> you gotta get on the ball, man. God, my internet's good today, guys. You can't keep up. It is. You had those fast pipes when we sing. Yeah, so this sucks. Anyway, um, if you want to get upset about something, culture, worry about your Xbox. Make them put the disc drive back on it. There we go. True. I'm excited to meet Jose. Yeah, this is Jose. Um, so the last story today is about the brouhaha the last week or so ever since the Oscar nominations were announced on Tuesday morning as of this recording. Um, Andrea Riseborough, to lots of surprise, was nominated for Best Actress for the movie to Leslie. Um, leading up to the Oscars for about a week or two, there was kind of a quote-unquote grassroots campaign, a groundswell of support for her performance in this movie that came from people like Gwyneth Paltrow and Kate Winslet and various uh, people around the industry who saw the movie and thought her performance was incredible and tried to champion it as the as the award season kind of started to come to a head there. And it seemed to work. She got the nomination and everyone was surprised and initially happy for her. And then it started to leak out that there may have been issues with the way she was nominated and that the Academy is quote-unquote looking into it in their apparently standing meeting that they have on Tuesdays, which is this coming week as of this recording again. Uh, to discuss whether or not there were illicit tactics or tactics that broke the rules of the Academy's uh, bylaws uh, that got Andrea Riseborough this nomination. And the reason for that is there was some confusion as to what the problem was. Oh, she was just using her friends to give her a voice. She was just doing what any other campaign machine does for Netflix or Warner Brothers or whatever. They just do it at a $100 million scale. She's doing it with some admittedly kind of powerful friends that she has around the business whose voices are actually heard. 
But it turns out the real issue is that there was an Instagram post from not Andrea Riseborough's personal Instagram, but from the Instagram page of the To Leslie movie um, that kind of compared. It, it included a quote from Richard Roper, who we all know from Ebert and Roper. He writes in Chicago. And uh, he wrote something to the effect of Andrea Riseborough's performance is better than the Kate Blanchett performance in Tar. He said, I know everybody's talking about Kate Blanchett, but the best performance of the year is Andrea Riseborough in Two Leslie. Thank you. Correct. Hmm. And because he said that, there is a specific Academy rule that says when you're campaigning, you're allowed to promote yourself, but you cannot cut down anyone else. You can't prop yourself up at someone else's expense because then that's considered, quote-unquote, an attack ad, and they don't like those. And there have been some instances of people either taken off the nominees list or actually um, just barred from the pro barred from like the show or just attending the Academy Awards because this is considered such a bad faux pas. And the most recent example I can remember, uh, I know there was one more recent than this, but the, this was a bigger example was when Avatar was against the Hurt Locker. Uh, one of the producers of the Herd Locker sent out an email to pretty much the entire Academy talking about how their small movie should win Best Picture over, quote-unquote, some, like, $500 million juggernaut, which everyone knew what that meant because the narrative that it meant year... Avatar. Right, was was the big Avatar versus the little Herd Locker and, of course, the ex-spouses facing off and all that. So that producer was, uh, was sanctioned and told to uh, not attend the award ceremony where his movie won Best Picture and several other awards. So there's now talk as to whether or not the Academy will rescind Andrea Riseborough's nomination because of all this. My personal opinion is that they won't. Um, Variety, in fact, just put out a piece where they found something similar happened back in 2004. I don't know if you guys know the movie House of Sand and Fog with Jennifer Connelly and Ben Kingsley. Um, but Ben Kingsley's character's wife in that movie is played by Shoreya Dashlu, who is in, among other things, Star Trek Beyond and 24, and she's a very good actress in her own right. She had a For Your Consideration campaign uh, ad put out by, I think it was DreamWorks at the time, where it was kind of, you know how the publications, and even Riley and I will do this, where it's like who we think should win, who we think could win, who we think would win, that kind of thing. Um, and a lot of those should wins had her name in it. So they kind of went and cut those up and put them on a poster together. And because one of them said should win her, but will win is Renee Zellweger, who's, of course, who did win. That was considered something of an attack ad and DreamWorks took it down. They apologized and nothing happened. She got to keep her nomination. She just didn't win. I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen here because they get into a very, very murky water if they decide to rescind a nomination and have only four nominees. It's not like Riseborough gets replaced by Danielle Deadweiler or Viola Davis or whoever else they, they feel like, it's going to be just four nominees. Um, this gets into a whole bunch of really annoying things about campaigning. I know Riley's very in tune with this. I don't know about Fred and Jack, but generally when we, when we wake up on Oscar nomination morning and we go, oh, how did they not nominate Leonardo DiCaprio for The Departed? It's because DiCaprio did not want to campaign for The Departed. There's a whole political apparatus behind it where the actors choose i want to be lead for this movie i want to be supporting for that movie the the studios will go and budget out a certain number of ads to put out for them in variety and on the trades and if you're living in la you'll see the billboards and all this other stuff it's much bigger deal there obviously because so, of that that whole process over the last few years has been kind of run amok by harvey weinstein now that's done thankfully finally this is the least of his crimes by the way but um yeah, sorry, Fred, where were you going? I'm rambling now. I mean, uh, like, it, 
the thing is this the reason why this is an issue is because of a, a rule that is probably a good rule right like the don't cut anybody down i think the spirit of the rule is fine yeah yeah Right, so so the question just becomes like, how strictly do you want to enforce this rule? Right. Yeah, I think if it's coming from the performer themselves, it's a problem. If it's the apparatus behind it, whether it's the movie, whether it's the studio, whether it's their own agent or whatever it may be, I can't hold the talent responsible for what other people are doing, whether they've tacitly yeah. endorsed it or not. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a fair point too. I just think like. You know, you have to decide what this rule means and why you want to enforce it, or or what the like, or what the penalty will be. Yeah. And I, so I think the part of it too, though, right, is how, and this is for Deepak, what you were kind of getting at, how much Harvey Weinstein changed the way that award season works, mm-hmm. and like it is an unfortunate thing that we have to discuss such a wretched and vile man who we would very much prefer to never talk about again just because that would be the thing that would really make him hate And by the way, the movie about that whole thing got zero Oscar nominations. Yes, which should be watched. uh, It's called She Said, and you should seek it out. Very good. Um, Shocking that it didn't get anything. Oh, yeah, it's very very surprising. surprising. Yes, yes. Um, I just thought they'd all want to go to it to to twist the knife in his side. Oh, I thought they'd all want to jump up on stage and go, yeah, I could have done something, but I didn't. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, anyway, he really is the guy who started actively campaigning during award season. Like before that, that wasn't really yeah, done. This was around like the English patient. Yeah. And and after since then, kind of since the early 90s, when like there was this big surge of like indie movies that would get attention during award season, that really kind of changed how award season has worked. Whereas like before that, I think it was much more of kind of you know, a a more buttoned up insular. Yeah. Behind the scenes, you know, maybe you had conversations with people over lunch, but nobody wanted to look like they were out here in the in the, you know, getting profiles of themselves in variety or whatever, talking about, you know, the span of their career and the work it took them to get here, mm-hmm. et cetera. Right. Whereas now that's all par for the course. And yeah, and the I poor kid had to act like Elvis for three years to act like Elvis for two hours. <laughs> And that's what we're bumping up against here, right? Is like people are on the lookout for this sort of thing now. And the movie is just promoting the movie, mm-hmm. right? Like this, it, this isn't, I wouldn't call this an award season campaign ad on this Instagram post for To Leslie. But I don't know, maybe it is. Maybe I'm being. Well, I guess it's singling out her performance as something exemplary. But yeah, with the idea of getting you to go see the movie, because at the end of the day, as much as the awards are nice and everything, it's a business and they want to make money with these low budget indies. Yeah, right. As many people they can get in the door now based on this Oscar nomination as they can is going to just be. And now, too, Leslie just passed Avatar The Way of Water. That's Which was incredible. Right. I really didn't see that no, happening, but you know. <laughs> um. I don't know. Do you think, that, Deepak, one of the things that I messaged you right when we were talking about this was like, tell me that Colin Farrell's agent isn't sitting in a room right now. They're all doing it. The, the, the actors on actors thing suits. every year. It's exactly that. Like Colin Farrell and yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis sitting across from each other talking about what music they listen to to attune their bodies to the emotional temperature of their fictional characters. It's all bullshit yeah, right. for the awards. And they both got nominated. Good for them. Colin Farrell probably deserves to win it, too. The campaigning is not just, the problem. The rules around the campaigning, the apparatus around it, the, the bullshit around it is the problem. And when the bullshit starts to self-reflexively hit itself in the face, that 
is either a problem or it's very amusing. I don't know. I don't think she deserves the kind of vitriol she's sort of starting to get, though. She has suddenly found herself on the business end of a lot of people who seem like they have their knives out. Very angry tweeters. Yeah, but I mean, some of them are journalists and shit, though, right? And like... I don't. Everybody's talking as if Viola Davis was a slam dunk for that slot. Anyway, yeah, poor Viola Davis, who knows with, no one. Even though in the I industry. loved, yeah. I loved the Woman King. Um, but yeah, right. It's also not as if she needs the recognition. We all know she's one of the best actors, and she has. Her, she already has now. her paperweight. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, she's I don't just know. Called a paperweight. Very... What else is it? There. People seem very upset about Viola Davis not getting a nomination. I can't remember the others, but there were a couple the, of other names till, that I had seen. The, the mom, Daniel oh, Deadweiler. Yes. Yeah. Daniel Deadweiler, yes, who was getting a lot of precursors. I think Jennifer I Lawrence for that um, the Apple movie with Brian Tyree Henry, he got nominated. Well, I would suggest that Brian Tyree Henry may be a better actor these days than Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, you're breaking No up. disrespect. Am I really, or are you refusing to hear what I'm saying? No, you, you really were. Oh, I was. I had said uh, I would suggest, no disrespect, that Brian Tyree Henry may be a better actor than Jennifer Lawrence these days. Well, she hasn't um, acted in a while. She's still really good, though. She's good when she turns it on, but like, what's the what's the? That's last one time of the she movies made? she turned it on. I, I didn't see the whole oh, thing. Oh, I didn't. But she's, okay, she's very good. I haven't seen it. Um, it's not. Like, it's I not like X-Men. about. I mean, she, people let X Men. Don't look up. She's not real. She's not. She got her phones in. Don't look up. No, I thought she's good in that. I, I like that movie. People didn't. I like that movie. I did not care for that movie. We got off topic. Yeah. The point is that I, this whole brouhaha is stupid. It's not going to amount to anything other than, as usual, the Academy will be reflexive or like kind of looking back and will say, oh, we'll tighten it up to say no nominee or potential nominee and their respective this, that, and the other may say something, in which case the entire industry essentially is on lockdown or stepping on eggshells about what they can say or not say during next year's campaign and that'll make next year's race i think a little more interesting because you know no, but they won't do anything that potentially risks no and also we're talking about a category where the favorite was decided like blanchett has had this in the bag since like november this is not yes. a race so the fact that she's a nominee is really nice that's about all it's going to be for this year um yeah, and maybe it, maybe it increases her visibility. Again, I don't think there's any such thing as bad publicity, especially in this regard. Like, it's not like she's in the public eye because she molested children or something. This is this is stupid. So, it, if anything, it'll just up her in name recognition. She'll be the new Sue Storm in Fantastic Four, and everything will be great. Yeah, if this goes away this week, when um, I would like her to be the new Sue Storm in Fantastic Four, that's I a great idea. You just Comer, threw out actually. there. You snuck right past me. Um, if this all blows away this week and they don't do anything about it, which is the correct decision, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, then, yeah, no one remembers this by the time the awards come around, which, by the way, are in, like, late March this year. Yeah, they're, like, a, literally a, to the day a month after the Super Bowl. I don't know why. So, yeah. I don't think anybody will remember this by that time. I think people will be it's so annoying, sick though. of the Oscars by March 12th that we're going to get some wild winners. That'd be fun. We're going to get women talking best picture. Let's do it. I liked your Tintin post. People should go to Deep Oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was taking a dump this morning, and it was taking longer than usual. <laughs> Deep Jack, have you guys seen this? You mean Fred and Jack? No, I, I deleted my Twitter a while ago. <laughs> Fair. Pardon but no, me. I did yeah. not so, see it. 
If you go to Deepak's Twitter, he has done all the Best Picture nominees as frames from Tintin comics. That's interesting. Yeah, it rules. I'll check it out. I retweeted it from our Nerded Here First account if people want to see it. But yeah, it really made me laugh this morning while I was getting ready for the podcast. That's that's why I'm here. To dig dumps and spread joy. So that's it. That's been Nerd Here Weekly. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share the show with somebody who hasn't heard about us. And if you really like what you're hearing every week, head on over to NIHF.com and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you've already subscribed but just can't get enough of our dumb shit, (laughs) head over to NIHF.com and join our subscriber only community where you get access to the Nerd Out, a weekly episode where we change who hosts and we each pick something dumb we want to talk more about. I think... Deepak is next. I suspect it might be a movie thing. We haven't really talked about it yet. Deepak, do you have any thoughts? It'll be about knitting a warm sweater. Oh. This for us. How lovely. Sounds lovely. Cool. I'll look forward to that. Mm. All right. Uh, so that brings us to pop culture recommendations. These are things we've been watching, reading, eating, playing, or listening to that we've enjoyed recently, and we think you'll enjoy too. And this week... I want because I know what it's going to be, and I'm not going to take it off the table this week because of the stakes. I'm going to start with you, Ken. Did you say me? Yeah, yeah. So this week there was a new Indian movie that released called Patan. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. The word is just like a title that some people have in certain parts of the world. Uh, so that's like the guy's code name. It's a spy movie. It takes place in this like burgeoning Bollywood is doing this thing where they have a bunch of different spy movies that they're now retconning into like the same universe, so that all these actors get to interact with each other. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's got a lot of, like, big, dumb 90s energy, but with, like, modern tools available to them. Um, It's a fun movie, especially if you get to see it in IMAX with a crowd. I I don't know. I think Riley saw it kind of at a bad time of day because when I went to see it, it was packed. There was a bunch of Indian people going nuts at all, like, the character introductions, and they were dancing for the songs, and they were were hooting and hollering. It was amazing. Um, so it's it's that kind of movie. It's like a like being at a sports game almost. Um, so Patan, P-A-T-H-A-A-N. Should be in normal theaters for at least a couple more weeks. IMAX, I don't know about the window because uh, Avatar probably still has most of the screens. But check it out if you can. Hmm. I found it in IMAX, and there's a review on our website. Yes, there is. Fred? Uh, yeah, I recently watched The Menu on HBO. Mm-hmm. I really liked it, actually. Ooh, very good. Um I think it's it's kind of billed as a horror movie, but it shouldn't be. Hmm. Um, it's mostly just like a satire, and I really love food, and am like super kind of annoyed with the foodie culture, <laughs> and so this movie like spoke to me in a really great way, and I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, so I really enjoyed it, and if you are real into food and you also get in love with the foodie culture, I think this is like a really good satire that you'll enjoy. Definitely, I, Jackson. I agree with the anti-foodie culture. Yeah. Uh, Hitman has a roguelike mode if you haven't heard uh, Hitman 3 has released a new update where you can play through a series of missions and if you die or fail one of the missions you have to start all over and your inventory persists between missions uh, it's great I love that game and I love roguelikes and it's all I've been doing with all of my free time and 
You dorks are missing out because a little service called Game Pass just delivered me a little game called GoldenEye. Ah! It's, uh, you may have heard of it. It's from the 1990s. You play as a super spy named James Bond. Jimmy B. And you, uh, shoot people with guns. Guys, I'm playing on double O mode. I This game's so hard. Yeah, but it's like in a kind of the worst. Old, but are you like playing the way slappers? Old games used to be. Well, well no, I'm he's doing the campaign. I'm just doing the thing. campaign. There was a first, there was a single player version. I of thought this there game was a hack no where you could you could um you could get the campaign to be certain weapons too. Oh, probably. How, uh, probably. Well, yeah, I mean there there was plenty of cheats, but um you had to play through the game first to unlock them. Ah. Uh, how does it feel on the Xbox controller compared to the N64? Because that was a weird controller back in the day. I don't know what you're talking oh, yeah, about. I Everybody mean, needs Fred... three prongs. <laughs> we've, we've I missed about that controller. I feel like that was... Hey, I've got one for you if you want that you can just plug into a USB. No, I just kind of want it like a stress ball. I just want to like have it on my desk and just kind of feel it from time to time with things like that. <laughs> yeah, I've got it here, Fred. It's orange. Um, this is all staying on the show, by the way. Uh, yeah, no, the thing about it is... We've talked about this before with video games, right, Fred? Like, mm-hmm. you forget how old games are bad, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like, you go, oh, I should go play the first... Halo, because yeah. I really like the Halo games. And then you're like, oh, this is not nearly as good as the later Halo games where they figured out how to make a Halo game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, GoldenEye is just GoldenEye, right? There's no, like, iteration of it. And honestly, giving it, like, That's not a true. new controller. What do you mean? They did the GoldenEye Reloaded, like, ten years ago. Oh, sure, yeah. But, like, I don't have, like, a franchise of things I'm looking at, right, where they were, like, continually improving Well, it, the right? thing I'm is, just... I thought... The World Is Not Enough from N64 was a pretty incremental, or not even incremental, it was a step up from GoldenEye, I thought. I, I agree with you, Deepak, yeah. but I, I don't think that's a conversation for this time. You know what's a huge uh, step no, up is... in terms of games where you get to be a classy spy sneaking around and killing people? Gex. Hit. Yeah, right. Oh. Which is, yes. I mean, Jack, this is kind of my point. I was having a lot of fun playing GoldenEye. It did kind of make me go, sure do wish I was playing Hitman. I heard they got a new mode that I really should get into. Um, but it's fun. It's a fun novelty thing. Um, Maggie's asked me what games she should play, and I jokingly told her I was going to make her start with GoldenEye because like, that's, that's not where a you ge- have that's to a start. good intro, right? That's like our whole generation <laughs> no, came it's into video intro. games. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, um, all of that. This has been pop culture recommendation. We beat the Thanks music. So much for we finally did weekend. it. I will say, <laughs> if there's one the- video game where it's just like open a world and just walk around and do whatever you want, it's it's a Bond game. <laughs> Well, actually, this is what I was going to say. That's a fascinating I, so I love you that have we're, a handle. I, I love that we're having this conversation because Jack and Fred are trying to figure out the topic for their next video game listicle. So I look forward to the three of you guys collaborating on a definitive ranking of the James Bond games. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Right. Coming to the website soon. This has been Nerdy Here Weekly. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. And if you get a chance, head on over to NAHF.com where you can join our community and hear episodes like this where we just kind of freeform talk about nothing for a while. Um, But you pay for him. Uh, And as always, don't forget to tune in next week to hear. The shape-shifting of robots.